This is Cyrus Fees, voice of the NWA, Global Force Wrestling, and fight shows around the world. You're listening to The Kings of the Ring. You're listening to The Kings of the Ring Podcast Network. That's right. Episode 7 marks the debut of broadcaster extraordinaire Cyrus Fees as our next special guest voice actor. Cyrus is a definite star on the rise, like the next Moro Ronaldo. He calls pro wrestling, MMA, and combat sporting events everywhere, from the U.S., India, South Africa, and all over the world. He's worked alongside UFC Bellator legend Chael Sonnen and the Mike Tyson, as well as for Global Force Wrestling and the historic NWA 70th anniversary show headlined by Cody Rhodes vs. Nick Aldis. And now, Mr. International brings his velvety smooth voice to the Kings of the Ring. Previously on Kings of the Ring, Diamond Donnie Gold made his long-awaited trip to Puerto Rico and got way more than he bargained for when he nearly incited an historic riot in Bayamon and almost lost the WWA world title in the process. Corporal Punishment, Hercules Harris, Killian Kavanaugh, and Tommy Aloha had some deep conversations and managed to avoid all getting thrown in jail. And Julian Kane catches Charlie Gotch off guard with a phone call. Some words were exchanged, including the ultimate insult against American Midwest wrestling, which was too much for Charlie Gotch. Today's episode would be rated TV 14 for profanity and domestic violence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. St. Mary's Hospital, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Anxiety? The fuck is anxiety? Charlie Gotch is in the emergency room. Tubes in his nose and in bed. Nellie stands bedside. Buddy Melrose is in a chair away from the others. Dr. Buck puffs another drag from his cigarette and looks at Charlie's chart while the nurse takes his blood pressure again. We call it an anxiety disorder, or more specifically, an attack of non-phobic disorder of exogenous anxiety. Eh, is that the new word for heart attack? No, Mr. Puchanowski, and you did not have a heart attack, but you did pass out. A concerned Nellie interjects. Doc, we were there. He had a heart attack in my arms. He almost... I assure you that this was not. However, an episode such as this can mask itself as a heart attack. Great. Does that mean I'm just crazy? (laughs) No, it doesn't. It means you are suffering from an overload of pressure or stress. Do you experience a lot of pressure at your job? None at all. Well, how about at that moment? Charlie shakes his head defiantly. Nellie answers for him. Yes, he was. He's under an incredible amount of pressure. Mr. Pujanowski, your autonomic symptoms were temporary, but your blood pressure is a bit high. You need to relax. Take it easy at your job, or one day, you will have a heart attack. Thanks, Doc. When can he come home? Soon. The nurse will check you out and I'll write you a script for the hypertension. The doctor sets the chart down and slaps the nurse's ass on the way out. The concerned Buddy Melrose sits up from the chair. How do you feel, Charlie? I'm tired, but that's all. If Doc says I'm feeling too much pressure and stress, I'll just have to drink more, that's all. Mentally, I've never felt more focused or clear. Buddy and Nellie look at each other, mildly surprised, but curious. I know what I have to do. 
to deal with this Julian problem. Kings of the Ring, Episode 7, An Indecent Proposal. Burt Ironsides, All South Wrestling, Municipal Auditorium, Shreveport, Louisiana. Burt Ironside is at a desk backstage with pad and pencil, going over the format sheet for that night's show. His son, Michael Angel, is in there as well, pacing. Just spit it out already, boy. Michael takes a breath. You know, you know I love taming Gabriel and working these towns with you. Bert looks up with his reading glasses on the end of his nose. I, I think, uh, I think, I, I think I can be, I can be. What the hell are you trying to say? I, I, I think I, I can be more. You want a singles run? Bert gets up and walks around the desk. Oh, I get it. You think because all the girls whistle and scream that you're Mr. Shit now. Is that it, boy? Uh, no, no, daddy, that's not what I meant. You ain't making enough money? No, daddy, please just let, let me let me explain. Bert walks up to him. Michael turns away. I, I was told to do something. I mean, he told me to just pack up and go in the middle of the night. But, but... I know that shit ain't right. Go where in the middle of the night? Michael mumbles something. Speak up, boy. New York. Michael is frozen. Bert doesn't say a thing. He just stares. Michael is afraid to look up. And then it comes. Bert takes his baseball mitt-sized hand and slaps Michael across the face with the force of a truck. Spit and blood fly across the room as the 265-pound Michael hits the floor. You worthless piece of shit. You're going to Julian Kane, like Thor Hansen? You think he'll take care of you? He can't protect you, boy. He can't cover up for you. You'll be all alone up there. The hugely muscled Michael Angel slowly tries to get up as the entire left side of his face is numb and his teeth feel loose. And for what? To be part of some upstart territory? What did he sell you on, boy? What did he promise you? Michael winces, anticipating another hit. Bert stops himself and walks back to his desk. I can be my own man. I can be on top. On top of something special. Is that what he told you? That you're special? That Julian Kane is a snake, and you trust him? You, you want me to stay here? Why the fuck would I want to keep someone like you? Someone who would stab his own father in the back like this. I don't need you. We still have Leroy Brown, and you may be bigger. Gabriel is ten times the worker you are. Is Gabriel going too? Did you con him into doing this, boy? No, no, no sir. Just me. <laughs> of course not. Gabriel isn't a selfish lowlife like you, Michael. Bert shakes his head and sits back down to his pad and pencil. Go on, get. Don't you ever come back because you are no son of mine. I'm just thankful the Lord above your mother ain't here to witness this. Michael crawls to the door, slowly picks himself up by the doorknob, turns it, and steps up, while his father continues writing out the booking sheet as if he wasn't even there. 
Michael steps out into the hallway and immediately shuts the door behind him. He stands, leaning his back against the wall, closes his eyes and takes a deep breath, almost a sigh of relief. His twin brother Gabriel is walking down the hallway towards him. Hey! And then he sees Michael's face. He immediately switches, clenches his fist, and stampedes towards the door. Did he hit you, Michael? Michael holds Gabriel back, who looks like he wants to tear the door down. No, 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 don't even sweat it, Gabe. I mean it. Michael leads his brother down the hallway, away from their father's office. What happened? Gabriel asks. I, I did it, Gabe. He smiles between tears, proud of himself, proud of his courage. I, I quit. No, I'm going to New York. Empire? Michael freezes, worried about his brother's reaction. Gabriel shakes his brother's shoulders in joy. Michael hugs him back, squeezing his twin brother extra tight. That's great, Michael. You're gonna do just great up there, just great. I'm so proud of you. Michael can't help but smile. Why don't you come with me? I'll ask Julian, he'll love it. No, no, Michael. This is your spot and yours alone. Besides, someone needs to keep an eye on the old man. And I don't think the wife would want to leave Texas anyway. When you going? Now? The old man just fired me. They both pause and look at each other, then burst into laughter. Michael's laughs come through tears. <laughs> I have to pack, and then I'm hitting the road. Well, congratulations, Michael. I mean it. I'm so happy for you. You're going to do well up there. And you call me, little brother, anytime, any place, and I'll be there. Michael nods and walks away. As he walks out the door, they look at each other one more time as they both can't help but feel that this is the last time they're ever going to see each other again. Miami, Florida, The Cigar Cafe. Southeast Championship Wrestling co-owner Nigel Davies is at his usual table in the front with a perfect view of the beach, the ocean, and the people who roam upon it. He takes another sip of his favorite coffee when his view becomes obstructed by a gray classic Rolls Royce. The car stops for a moment and then drives away after dropping off its passenger. Julian Kane. I trust my Rolls was a comfortable drive from the airport? Julian nods. Please. Have a seat. Julian sits across from Nigel. A waiter appears. I'll have another cafecito and whatever Mr. Kane would like. Coffee is fine. Dos cafecito, por favor. Si, Senor Davies? The waiter bows slightly as he walks away. Julian takes a note that this must be familiar ground to Nigel and that they are on his turf. Julian adjusts his chair to have his back to the wall. Nigel notices this. Julian, please. Relax. You are my guest, and we have much to discuss. You've always handed yourself with class and calm, Mr. Davies. So I accepted your invitation, but I am curious as to why. I wanted to talk to you about the future and your plans for Empire. Mr. Davies, I've always respected you, as did my father. But despite that, I'm afraid you can't talk me out of anything. On the contrary, Julian, the waiter returns with two Cuban coffees. The telegram you sent 
was quite clear about how the WWA felt. Come now, boy. I am the mouthpiece of the Alliance board and that was it. It was Charles and Burton who pushed for that. I went along with it because I didn't want them to know where I stood. Julian's ears perk up. Do you know my legacy in this sport? You were responsible for many of the most successful territories around the world. You either ran them or built the foundations and handed them off. But your influence and contributions to the business the past 40 years is... intimidating. Yes, Julian, thank you. When you've accomplished so much over so long a time, you get to a point where you wonder what is left. And then came you. All I knew of you was that you were Jonathan's overeducated son whose only job in wrestling was that as the worst referee in the sport. Julian smiles with a grimace at the memories that observation evokes. When word was out that you would inherit the Empire State Wrestling Federation, I assumed you would run it with no more passion than the passionless Daniel Hawkins has been running the Carolinas, or that you would announce the ESWF would be up for sale. But that's not what happened, was it, Julian? Not at all. You thumbed your face at Charles Gotch and declared war on all of us. <laughs> Bravo. Julian, still not sure where this is going. Julian, you have got my attention. And I want to help you. There it is. In taking this meeting, Julian approached this from all sides, trying to figure out Nigel's angle. But he felt the possibility that he would want to back him was not a possibility. Help me do what? What else, Julian? Take over the world. Up to this moment, no one had figured out any of his moves or his ambitions, which has made it that much easier for his opponents to underestimate him. At this moment, Julian feels vulnerable. To achieve the status that I have, you should know that I don't enter agreements lightly, that I don't enter a room until I know every inch of it beforehand, every nail, every screw, how every board was assembled, how it was sanded, painted, varnished and where every piece of furniture originated, and why it was placed where it was. Julian listens intently. I know that you have secured television deals across America and Canada, in nearly every market that was once a hotbed, but has been largely dormant for years, because Gotch has been too lazy to run shows there. I know that you are using, uh, how shall we say, financial influence to place Empire Television directly into key home markets of AMW. And I know everything launches after Thor Hansen wrestles Prince Abdullah in Chicago, a building which is currently on pace to sell over 15,000 tickets. Julian isn't sure how to feel at how effective and thorough Nigel was. My compliments, Mr. Davies. Please, Julian, call me Nigel, and rest assured, the knowledge that I have attained and deduced of your plans for Empire lie only in my head. I have not shared any of this with the members of the board or even my partners at SCW. But more than what I know of what you have done, I also know what you have failed to do. Oh? As valuable as the syndicated package is, what you covet is cable television, isn't it? And I know that you failed in trying to get on WVBS. Jack Valiant, the CEO of Valiant Broadcasting Systems, is a personal friend of mine. 
We arranged the original deal back in 1971 and remain friends. I can help you. Jack Valiant was quite vocal in his dislike for me. There were also binding contracts in place between your SCW and WVBS. My offer to Valiant was to be exclusive. Frankly, Mr. Davies, I'm not interested in sharing a network with another wrestling promotion, even if it's yours. I wouldn't either, but I can literally guarantee that you will be on WVBS if we make a deal. How? SCW has cable, which has incredible long-term value, but it does nothing for me now. I am sandwiched between the Daniel Hawkins Carolina group to the east, Raylan Crenshaw above me in Tennessee, and Bert Ironside's monstrous All South to the west. I cannot expand, and I cannot directly take them on while you grow in the north. This is chess, and I know how this game ends. So, I am changing the game. I want to work for you, Julian, as a consultant and advisor. I'm too old to do this full-time anymore, but I'm tired and my health is not the best. And I miss New York. I love to visit here in Miami, but I hate Atlanta. I hate Georgia. So hot, sticky. And the people, oh dear. And if you were based out of New York, you'd also be closer to your mother. <laughs> My compliments as well, Julian. You know how to do your research as well. Julian nods. You're a wise and considerate young man. And you're a great man, Mr. Davies. There's much I can learn from you. But I don't see how you can guarantee getting Empire on WVBS. The contract between WVBS and SCW is binding and unbreakable. The solution is simple. You're going to buy Southeast Championship Wrestling, and then you will own a binding and unbreakable television contract on WVBS. Julian breaks a sinister grin as he holds up his coffee to Nigel Davies. Nigel Davies, Les Henderson, and Bob Walker's Southeast Championship Wrestling, Civic Center, Savannah, Georgia. Two of the SCW wrestlers are behind the curtain, waiting to go out for their match. David Givens is a pretty good-looking guy with scruffy brown hair and a medium build. He wears a red satin jacket over his dark speedo shorts, red knee pads, and white wrestling boots with the letters D and G patched into the sides. He's talking to Jack Porter. Jack's a bit older isn't very good looking, and his body matches his face, as his physique is unimpressive and a bit overweight. Jack continues his story. I see a deer about 20 yards in front of me, right in my scope. Then I hear a stick break, and I turn to the left, and there's a buck about 30 yards away staring right at me. Oh shit. Big fucker too, must have been 10 points at least. But what happened? I went for it. I wanted that motherfucker down, hanging above my fireplace. An approaching female voice yells out. Jack, you forget something? It's Miss Kitty. She looks like she stepped off the set of Charlie's Angels. Completely gorgeous and sexy, a perfect 10. She wears a short skirt, high heels, and a glittery tube top, and has a colorful jacket tucked under her arm. They're going home, getting the character. Oh right, sorry dear. 
She hands him the jacket. It's blue velvet with gold sparkles and fringe, styled to look like a fairy tale prince, with glittery writing that spells out beautiful across the shoulders. As he puts it on, she attaches ribbons and bobby pins to his bleached blonde locks. What the fuck? Did you get him? No, I fired up, missed. The other deer took off, so I got nothing. While Jack rigorously fluffs his curly blonde hair, David Gibbons disappointedly shakes his head and begins jumping in place to warm up for their match. The outlaw, Jesse James, approaches them. Remember, boys, I want a Broadway. 20 minutes. They both nod. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the next pound is one fall with a 20-minute time limit. Introducing first, he hails from San Francisco, California, and weighed in at 245 pounds. Being accompanied by Miss Kitty, he is beautiful, very lovelace. The Georgia fans scream at him with boos and jeers, while holding up signs that read, Fairy Barry, or Barry is a fairy, all while shouting and chanting every anti-gay slur in the book and he plays it up for all it's worth. He climbs up to the ring and wiggles his butt to incite the crowd even more, as Arnie Williams from Pro Wrestling Digest and other ringside photographers take their shots. And introducing his opponent, hailing from Johnson City, Tennessee. Jesse James watches from behind the curtain until SCW co-owner Bob Walker in his boots and tights shows up. Jesse, there you are. Uh, Bobby, you wanna talk about a match? Nah, we just got a call from that fucker Daniel Hawkins in Wilmington. Corporal Punishment no-showed them, and he wanted to know if we booked them for tonight. Wait a minute, he's accusing us of booking their guy when they're the ones who are supposed to send Killian Kavanaugh to do our show tonight. Yeah, that's what I fucking said. He said Killian wasn't there either. Jesse pauses for a moment and starts calculating, and then frowns. What? What is it? Oh shit, I need to make a phone call. Out of my way, Bob. Empire Wrestling Federation, Allentown, Pennsylvania, the Ag Hall Locker Room. As the wrestlers file in for that evening's show, Tarzan Kid, still in his street clothes, is talking to Louis the Greek. Some of the boys been talking, and they're saying Thor's going over on the Prince in Chicago. Really, is that what they say? Listen, Greek, I put five years in with this territory. I never left and that loyalty shows with the people. You'll listen to that pop when I'm out there. I'm ready to be the top guy. I've been in that number two spot for years. Two-time Intercontinental Champ, always the number two guy. The old man loved me. He was grooming me to take over. You notice. Know you can't just let Julian bring in some outsider over me. I've been here your entire run. Everything you say, I know. Julian hasn't said anything about who go over in Chicago. What I do know is he know your talent. An empire will be the biggest territory in America, with room for more than one top guy. Their conversation is drowned out by a commotion in the locker room as a small group of men enter. Some cheers, some handshakes, as old friends reunite and new ones meet for the first time. Oh, yeah? A dejected Tarzan kid asks as he sees who just entered the Empire locker room. Corporal Punishment, Killian Kavanaugh, and Michael Angel.
Queens, New York, the Quality Diner. The Empire Wrestling Federation World Champion, Prince Abdullah Akbar, enters wearing an oversized fur coat and a New York Knicks cap. With the EWF title belt slung over his shoulder, he is greeted by the owner behind the counter, a fellow Iranian. He shakes hands with some of the other diners, also Persians, who all greet him and compliment him in their native Farsi language. He eventually makes his way to the back of the restaurant, where he sees his expected guest patiently waiting. Abdullah, my boy, congratulations. Charlie Gotch sits with a coffee, wearing a flat cap and the collar of his trench coat pulled up to hide half his face. Ah, Papa Charlie, my mentor, my brother, my master for life. I owe it all to you. Abdullah leans over to hug his former trainer and boss and kisses him on the cheek out of an immense godfather-like respect. All right, all right, enough. Sit down. Abdullah yells across the diner to the man behind the counter. Ahmed, bring us some fucking cherry pie. Papa, would you like us some cherry pie? It is the best pie in all five boroughs. Ahmed, two fucking pieces of pie. My papa, why do you visit your best student? You came to see the champion. <laughs> of course I came to see you. I have some good news. What better news could there be other than to see Charlie Gotch finally accept my invitation? He come right here in my neighborhood, my home. Ahmed arrives with two plates of cherry pie and sits them down at their table. I want to talk to you about your family. Oh yes, my beautiful Golnessa. It's been five years since I see her face. Five years since I see my children. I warn her, do not go back. She say she wants to see her mother. I say, don't do it at this bad time. This worst time in Iran. Revolution coming, you get killed. I beg her. I plead with her, do not go. She go. A revolution gimmick happen. They lock up gates of Iran. Abdullah over here, my Gulnessa, my children. They stuck over there, along with my heart. Such bullshit this government. Ayatollah can suck a madul. I couldn't agree with you more, Abby. What if I told you there's a way you can see your family again? If you tell me this, I break this table in half with one strike of my fist. And then I get on my hands and knees and rip your pants off. And I suck your dick with the passion and fury of a thousand angels. Okay, you don't need to do all that. You know I have connections everywhere. I have an old fraternity friend. He's a U.S. senator and was recently appointed to a high-ranking position in the State Department under Secretary Schultz. You have no idea how many jams I got him out of. Needless to say, he owes me, and he assures he can make this happen. Make what happen? I can get your family out of Iran. Brought to New York with full citizenship status. Abdullah's eyes well up with tears. Oh, you do this for me, all because I make you proud. Oh, Papa. Papa. Easy. Just take it easy. It's not that simple. Abdullah, this is a very big favor I'll be asking of him. And if I do, our debt is wiped clean. Meaning, I'll never be able to ask him for something ever again. 
I would be eternally grateful. Abdullah, you are in a powerful spot right now. I'm not sure if you realize exactly how powerful a spot you are in. You hold the fate of the entire industry in the palm of your hand. You can control where this sport goes. Not Judy and Kane, not me, not anyone else. It's just you. What do you mean? I know what Julian Kane is doing. I've been watching it, and it's as clear as day what comes next. Julian is going to make Thor Hansen the champion in Chicago. He's going to beat you, and they're going to push the entire company behind Thor on top. Oh no, it hasn't been decided who goes over in Chicago yet. They want to make Empire a hill territory with me as champ. They bring in many new babyface. Is that what they told you? Don't be naive, Abby. Julian is not going to go through all that trouble to steal Thor Hansen right from under me to job him out to you in his first match. Think about it, Abdullah. You're the transition champ. That's all. But you don't have to be. You can force the situation. Julian is going to turn our sport into a mockery. Something ridiculous. Thor Hansen is a joke. A walking cartoon character. Think of all our legendary champions in history. Dominic Dante, Crusher Krawcheck, me, Danny Gold, and you, Prince Abdullah Akbar. We wore those belts with pride, and the fans knew we could not be fucked with. And so did the opponents that stood across from us in the ring. Thor Hansen has no right to be called a world champion. He has no integrity, and he has no legitimate skill. Papa, I hate to say this, but I have no power. They don't listen to me for booking decision. They don't even ask. I can plead my case, but I can't guarantee. Oh, but you can, Abdullah. You can. What are you saying, Papa? What are you telling me to do? Night of the show in Chicago. Everyone will be watching. Julian will replay this match. Replay the victory on TV sets everywhere. An empire will explode. Which is why you are going to kill this thing before it even happens. When you step in that ring to defend the title against Thor, you are going to break his leg. Double crossing? No, 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 no. I'd never hurt anyone in a ring like that. That's a disgrace to the business. Anyone step in that ring is my brother. Abdullah, if you ever want to see your family again, then you will break his fucking leg. Whew, there it is. The ultimatum from Charlie Gotch. And it all happens in episode number eight. This matchup has basically been building since episode one. It's Thor Hansen's evolution from Buddy Melrose's heel tag team partner in AMW to a main event challenge against Prince Abdullah Akbar for the EWF championship in only a two month span. And what will the Prince do? He was given the order to shoot on Thor and double cross him in the ring, which would effectively kill Thor before things even got started. What would that mean? 
We just saw Michael Angel, Tarzan Kid, and Corporal Punishment all in the Empire Locker Room too. And each and every one of them is ready to take that spot. What's going to happen? Find out in episode number 8, The Night It All Went Down. And most importantly, a big thank you and welcome to Cyrus Fees, who joins the cast of Kings of the Ring as episode number 7's special guest voice. Mr. International will definitely be back for future episodes, as will L.A. Smooth. You can track the many appearances for Cyrus Fees in MMA, pro wrestling, and other combat sporting events all around the world by following him on Twitter at CyrusTheShow. 